Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. Beyond the FM dial, we are available at RadioNorthland.org. And of course, tune in. That's another app where you can pick up all three Pioneer 90.1 stations. This is Wrestling Memories Then and Now. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with my co-host down there deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, we last spoke uh, a few weeks back here. You know, we've been taking a few weeks off at uh, Rasslin Memories then and now uh, with the, you know, with COVID-19 and the coronavirus stuff, pandemic, uh, you know, starting to uh, take root. You know, we have uh, had to take a little bit of time to scale back. I've had other projects to work on too, but it's great when I have a chance to be able to bring back the program here for a couple of weeks. And it's always good to chat with the man down there in the mobile studio. He's got plenty of hand sanitizer down there. He is Okay, there is no Clorox or anything going on. He's there and he's ready to talk with us, and he's helped us book a great guests, a great pair of guests, uh, returning guests uh, this week. I'm talking about the grizzled vet, Mike McCurdy. Hello, Mike. How's it going, man? Now I don't know where you think I live, where there's hand sanitizer, but I, I ain't got none. I just use a lot of soap and water, so no, no hand sanitizer. What are you talking about, man? I, well, I live up here in northwestern uh, Minnesota, way up in the, the nosebleed section of Minnesota, where I still think that, uh, you know, I grew up 20 miles from, from the border. I, I think I should get dual citizenship. But, I mean, we live up here and, uh, you know, we have had battles with hand sanitizer, but now you can go to the store and actually see toilet paper again. I mean, the smallest things. Who would have thought we would be talking about this, you know, back in February, we'd be thinking in this, you know, this short term into the future, that this would even be a topic of interest. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough today to score a, some two-ply. Like, what happened? What's there, going there on? There you go. I don't know what's going on, man. It's been a few weeks since, obviously, we've been on the show. You know, we had Greg Anthony a few weeks back talking about, you know, the current wrestling situation, which just continues to evolve and all sorts of weirdness going on. But, you know, I'm working. I'm not sick. I haven't caught anything. So I'm, I'm calling it good. And, you know, I'm just glad to be back here tonight for – you know, another edition of wrestling memories. Cause man, you know, I miss you. I miss sitting down talking a little bit of wrestling with you. Yeah, been to be able to do this a little more on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because so many things you know have been shut down, but then again, so many things have been happening in the world of professional wrestling. And boy, we have some guests that I. Not only do we want to talk about this this book that has been released, and, and you know, I'm oh, what I've read so far, and I'm uh, just well through about three quarters uh, through the book, and I'm I'm just enjoying it. It's it's good read when I've actually had some downtime from from work. Uh, it's the great Andre the Giant, eighth wonder of the world, the true story of Andre the Giant book. Uh, these two guys, uh, you know, Pat uh, Laprod and, and Bertrand Bear, has have done such good good stuff, Mike. And, and you, you, you've read the book too. I mean, do you want to talk about? We could talk just about the book, but these are guys that, that have such great knowledge in the present here with pro wrestling as well, which makes for great uh, great guests here. And we're going to get them on here shortly. But man, what a good booking, my friend. You know, when I heard the book was coming out, you know, I reached out to Pat and said, hey, we'd like to have you come on because, you know, we've talked about Andre in the past and, you know, Andre is just a great subject. I mean, you and I, we grew up in that that time frame and all that. And who didn't love Andre? You know, even when he was battling Hulk Hogan, Andre was still such a presence, man. Everybody loved the guy, you know, and it's always fun to hear more. And this book, man, I've learned more about Andre than what I already knew. So I'm kind of looking forward to talking with the guys about, you know, just the, the research process and how they dug up some of this information because some of the stuff I read, you know, I'm about you about halfway through and it's great so far. I'm really looking forward to it. And obviously we knew a lot about Andre's career, but there's so much more in his book, man. You know, readers, you know, our listeners really need to go out and get a copy of it. 
Well, most definitely, because and this is a book, too, that also uh, kind of tells the story and does it in a nice way of, of separates some, uh, some of the myths from fact as far as Andre. When you're a guy that legendary, you know there's so much, and then pro wrestling, too, imagine that. So many things that might need to get sorted out from fact and, and fiction and how, of course, the lines get blurred. Uh, I want to welcome the guys so we can have them talk about this book because we could yak on and on forever, but no, we got the good guys on the line, returning guests to wrestling memories then and now a big welcome first of all to pat laprade hey pat it's been a long time since uh, we, we've spoken but it's uh, good to have you on the program oh thanks for having me uh, uh it's always great to uh talk some uh, old-time wrestling with you guys Pleasant distractions, I call them, uh, during this uh, era and time that we are living in. I want to also invite in, the, of course, uh, your partner in crime. You guys have done such good work together and on your own. Uh, Bertrand Bear, welcome uh, back to Wrestling Memories, uh, my friend. Uh, and we are trying to uh, find a way to find some positivity during this new normal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, thank you for having us. And, you know, it's always fun to go back memory lanes and, and you know when you have some downtime to have a good book in hand and I think we've provided that I think yeah you know what better time I, I, of course I mean the, making the best out of a, a bad situation what a good time you know to have something like this come out for you, you guys uh, the book about Andre the eighth wonder of the world because there is a lot of downtime for some while others have been able to uh, keep uh, you know keep a pretty busy schedule working at home there's also a lot of those that have, have been furloughed and of course we could talk wrestling furlough here uh, that just went down the pipe here not all that long ago but this is something that really uh, is offering up a, a pleasant distraction and a book that has done so well it's it's, it's a good little thing I, I read I've been reading it in sections since I, I got a copy of it and I've just been it's so absorbing you know it's one of those where I don't know if I want to stop reading it I want to just read it in slow and and let it just you know let all the, the good stuff roll out nicely because it's just one of those books I want to hold on to for a, for a, for a long time but just a good good job thank you I mean the, the critic has been very humbling so far uh, and, and we really put a lot of time and a lot of attention to details and to find the, the right balance between Andrew Rusimov and Andrew the Giant. Uh, so that, you know, you learn a few things and, and, and you go through uh, the good stuff that we all remember Andrew doing uh, for our entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring it over uh, to Pat and to the conversation. Uh, Pat, you, we're talking about, you know, the book being released uh, in, in this uh, era of the coronavirus. You're also, you and uh, Bert, but you're also keeping pretty busy too and uh, keeping your face out there as well because at the time of this recording, we have just uh, this past week seen the airing of the Vice TV uh, and what has been a great second season to it, The Dark Side of the Ring, uh, the piece on Dino Bravo. And, and a guy that... Uh, uh, you know, is whose story is most deserving of something like that, or even a book. I, it was really nice to, to, to see you on there because of you mean, your, your involvement and your passion and the, your his, love, just your history. It was just great to have you be a part of that. So, could you talk a little bit about uh, your appearance on there and what it's been like to uh, work with the guys from Dark Side of the Ring? Oh, it was a pleasure to to, to work with them. We we actually uh, filmed this two years ago. Uh, because the uh, the Bravo piece was supposed to be part of the first season, which was supposed to be 10 episodes, uh, but Vice cut it to six and wanted to wait for uh, ratings number, numbers to make sure to make a, a second season. So thankfully, the first season worked well. 
saw uh, the gravel piece was back on track. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was interviewed in it, but I also did uh, interviews off-camera for uh, uh, a few of the uh, uh, people that we see in the documentary, including uh, Dino's uh, daughter, Claudia, who I thought was the star of the show. I mean, uh, uh, you know, she was so touching. It was, I mean, when at the end, you know, she, she, she said something like, you know, I forgive my father because he did this for the family and everything. I was like, wow, you know, uh, it, it was heartbreaking to, to, to listen to her. And, and it's been, it's been a, a, a well-done uh, documentary. I really, really liked it. And the, the comments so far are great. So everybody's really happy with it including the family. So to me, if they're happy, I'm happy. Well, yeah, and that's the bottom line, too, is to have, uh, you know, that family participation in, in the project and not to have a backlash and to have it be done so well that it, it, it pleases everybody. And the list and the viewers were, were definitely, definitely uh, happy with the, the results. And it brings me back to just the this, this season that has been really good. I mean, the Jimmy Snuka episode and, of course, uh, the, the the Chris Benoit two part episode where that was another one that just I mean it it really could cut a person you know deep you know just watching and you know his son and Daniel and uh, you know also Nancy's sister and some of the other people the wrestlers involved like you know with Chavo and, and, and the like I mean that was another one that they did such a, a wonderful job on and just how raw emotionally raw it, it left them and and the viewer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Chris Benoit was another one that was, uh, and and I was I was glad the way he approached the subject for the Chris Benoit because you know it's it's not really an easy subject to 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 talk about, and uh, you know that that I think that's one of the strengths. Uh, the dark side of of the ring series, one of their strengths is to to give you know all the scenarios up there and not necessarily take position to. Uh, what went on or, you know, what could have been. And they're just, you know, having a bunch of people talking about uh, the situation and giving, you know, all of the uh, options open. And uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, and it's one of those things that is not only uh, just limited to, to a pro wrestling fan who's been curious of the, of its history, but this could be somebody who's a fan of, you know, maybe true crime docu- or just documentary genre in general. I think it's definitely not uh, exclusive to the wrestling fan. I've had people who haven't watched wrestling watch some of these show episodes and have gotten uh, a, and have had a good experience. I mean, just a good viewing experience and have enjoyed it and want to watch more. So it's definitely something that is branched out further than just your your, your wrestling fan your your well-tuned wrestling fan yeah yeah i mean i mean the whole the whole series is uh, is, is uh, it, i mean to to everyone listening if you haven't watched any of these episodes i mean go and i mean it's on you know uh vice tv or or crave tv and i mean there's uh, uh there's really really well done and i do like also the uh re uh reenactment you know of of uh, a certain um uh, portion of, of of the story of you know so and so that I, I think it brings more visual to just the narrative with with you know photos so it's a different kind of uh, of, of documentary in that sense uh, as well so I mean it's uh, it, you know I mean I like the series and I really hope there's a season. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those theory, when they do the dramatizations, they're definitely some of the best ones I've seen in, in that genre because it could be done so bad. We've seen some of those on some other shows that it just it seems like an even flatter end of a soap opera as far as the acting goes. Uh, Bertrand, we're talking a, a little bit about Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the program, especially the ones since uh, uh, since aired with, with Dino Bravo? I mean, I, I love the series uh, since uh, last year. I mean, there was, you know, some subjects I knew better, but like the old Dino Hernandez episode last year was amazing to me because that's one of wrestling lore uh, unknown for so long. So they did an amazing job there. This year has been fantastic. And, and I think they did a fantastic job on the Dino Bravo subject, which uh, by Pat and I are are. are kind of know, uh, since it was a, a big part of our first book uh, about the history of Montreal wrestling, uh, to try to bring up uh, a good picture of who Dino Bravo was locally, uh, because people from uh, well, just watching WWE in the, in the late 80s, I mean, would have a different uh, image or a different uh, idea behind Dino Bravo, but here he was he was Superman. Uh, he was the Hulk Hogan of Montreal, as Pat said. So uh, from there, uh, that that whole story by itself back then, I remember, you know, that morning, uh, you know, all the newspapers, the television, everybody was running with the Dino Bravo murder. Uh, it was huge, um, and, and you know, I remember having to go to the to the store to fax uh, the details to uh, Bill Apter uh, because at the time I was a pro wrestling illustrated correspondent from Montreal. And, and it was such a huge deal. And then it, it just went away, you know, after the funeral. I mean, there was barely anything. And to this day, it remains a cold case. Um, so, uh, and, and obviously, you know, there, there's more to that story to be told. So hopefully, you know, me and Pat one day will be able to tackle this. Oh, I would definitely uh, hope that uh, something could be developed, an expanded uh, episode or something, because there's, it just seems, I, it has me more curious about his career. I mean, like, I, I, you know, here in AWA country, I was a little too young to remember his uh, run in the late 70s uh, working for Vern, but I did, uh, follow, through the After magazines, were able to uh, follow some of Dino's stuff up in Canada, and of course, being so close to uh, the Manitoba border, every once in a while, when we weren't getting Stu Hart or Maple Leaf Wrestling, we, they would show some of that uh, from, from the Montreal territory. It wasn't uh, very long. It didn't last too long, but I, I can remember watching that like with Angela Mosca and the others too. But yes, I, there's so much more to Dino Bravo than just a guy who uh, was in his WWF run. You know, a very good run, but I mean, there's just more more to him. He he definitely was a, a very over talent up there in Montreal. He was. He was. Uh... The the old Kogan of Montreal is the, the image that will you know will speak the most to people. But he had that that old mystique of being a strong man, of being so strong, and that's what made him so dangerous as a wrestler, because just by sheer strength he could win matches. And you know he he the the thing he did at the first Royal Rumble with uh, the bench press. Well, he had did, done that in the past year. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe at the, at the Royal Rumble, you know, they really pushed the envelope and I don't know how, you know, there was obviously something fishy going on, but Dino has legitimately bench pressed 500 pounds. Uh, so, you know, he, he was a real strong man and that was just not a gimmick. And, and, and that, that, you know, back then it, it, it left quite the impression on the psyche of fans. 
Well, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, now with my uh, co-host, Mike McCurdy, about the book that uh, both Pat and Bert have put together, and it's been released recently, and it's it's a great book. I, like I said, I am nearly done reading it, and I have enjoyed it. I want to bring Mike McCurdy in, and, and he has got so many questions. He's been very curious about the process of putting the book together and the like. So I'm going to uh, just uh, put my mic down and let Mike uh, do his thing. Uh, Grizz, you ready to go? Oh, of course, man. I'm always ready to go. Um, but like you said, I am going to lead off with the, uh, you know, the one question because research is something that I love. I love research. I love reading the facts and the history and everything. And that's one of the reasons why I like Dark Side of the Ring as well is, you know, it's, it's the research and how the guys put things together. But I'd like to hear a little bit about just the research process on this book and just where you started, were there things that you learned that you didn't know, you know, and just kind of overall, just how the book came together. Because this is a really comprehensive book about Andre. Um, there have been other books out about him before, but I think this is this is going to end up being kind of like the be-all book of, you know, if you want to know about Andre, I think this is the one that you're going to want to have. But I just like to hear kind of the overall, you know, creation of the book. Well, after the uh, after the HBA documentary and my involvement in it, it was it was a project that we already had in mind and that we wanted to do and we pitched it to uh, our editors after the HBO uh, documentary. And, and, and the HBO was so well done and, and probably, you know, the most complete documentary ever done on Andre. But Bertrand and I really wanted to top that. There were still things that, you know, you cannot really talk in an 86-minute documentary. So we wanted to go uh, more in-depth into both Andre's career, but also Andre's life. You know, wanted to present Andre the Giant, but also Andre Rusimov. So we started working on it right after the, uh, the HBO documentary. Um, so we worked on it for like, I want to say two years uh, before, uh, before it, got, uh, it got released. And we already had some research done, obviously, because of our other books like the Montreal uh, Wrestling one and the Mad Dog one. But we really uh, went more into everything. So uh, I, I flew back to France to talk to the brothers that, that I had met during the filming of the uh, HBO doc. We, I, I spoke to Jackie McCauley, who, who was living with Andre uh, and, and her husband, uh, French Bernard, for so many years. And, and both Bertrand and I did so many other interviews with a bunch of Andre's friends from the business. And we did also a lot of research in all newspapers. Um, Chris Owens, who's probably the biggest Andre the Giant fan ever, had compiled a list of matches uh, for Andre. So he, he was uh, generous enough to share it with us. So, it, you know, with, with that list, we could at least, you know, track Andre's, um, Andre's, uh, uh, pro, you know, the promotions he worked for and the, the, the towns he was working at. So it gave us a good idea of, you know, where Andre was traveling throughout his career. And we added more to that list, obviously, because of, of, of the research we did. So it, it was really our goal from the beginning to uh, go as deep, uh, you know, to dig as much as we could. And also to debunk all the tales and all the myths that we would meet during those uh, those research. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the, the 
the project had been there on the back burner as among, among many projects we would have loved to tackle. And then the HBO documentary just lighted a fuse under everything and, and we ran, ran with it. Uh, and it was so important because, you know, you guys mentioned that you, you saw Andre uh, in his prime and, and, you know, he grew up, you know, when the giant came to town, it was special. And, you know, there's a little bit of that in the book is that, you know, the giant is coming back to town. And, and that's amazing for people who knew and saw him. Uh, but it's also amazing for people who just, you know, saw him every time they're watching WWE and they see him in the intro and they wonder about the giant. Uh, and, you know, that's their chance to see and read about, you know, what it was like when the giant came to town. Now, during your, during your research, were there things that came up that, you know, that surprised you that you didn't know, you know, about Andre and were there things that, you know, have been heavily reported, you know, the myth that you found out actually were either based on fact or were indeed, you know, just myth and there was nothing really substantial to prove these stories. Yeah, there was, there was, I mean, so many things because obviously the more you, you dig in, into, into someone's life, the more you'll find, and uh, I mean, I was, there's so many drinking stories, so many eating stories that I don't know, I, in, in a way, I was just thinking that Andre was drinking and eating all the time. Um, and we came to know that, well, when he was at the ranch on a few days off uh, or, you know, resting from, from an injury, he wasn't drinking as much and he wasn't eating as much neither. I mean, he, he, he was eating yogurt. I, I couldn't phantom the idea of Andre eating yogurt, you know, because you always hear about 12 steaks and, 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 and everything else, you know. So um, it was it was to me that when he was at home, he was just, he, he was more like you and me. He, he wasn't eating that much and he wasn't drinking that much. And we came to realize that Andre could drink and could eat all he wanted. But when he was doing it, it was for the show. It was to entertain the people he was with. His very last Christmas dinner, he ate, uh, is it 10 or 12 T-bone steaks, ordering them Something. one by one. Just, just, just for the show. Just, just for the fact that, you know, he could do it and it entertained the people around him and he was, he was just an entertainer. That's all, that's all he did. That was his whole life being an entertainer, right? So, I, I mean, um, and it's all those drinking stories. Well, the more you read about him, the more you realize that he wasn't drinking just for the sake of drinking. He was drinking because um, either he wanted to entertain, either he was lonely, either he didn't want to go back to his room alone, and, you know, it was better for him to just stay at the bar, um, he was drinking at the end because of the pain he had. So, so I, I, I mean, all those drinking and, and eating stories are really cool to, to read and they're unbelievable sometimes. But the more you, you research on them, the more you realize that there were a reason for that. Yeah, exactly. And, and on a more personal level, I was surprised to, to learn more about how he left the Montreal Wrestling Territory, which he was one of the original owner in the 80s. Uh, from for what was to become international wrestling, and, and just the way that you know, he, he was c c 
you know, he was the opposite of a lot of guys in the wrestling business who are often confrontational, uh, that want things their way and all that. It appears that Andrew was more of like, well, I'm not going to fight, you know, if, you, if you're unhappy or if things are not going your way, well, I'm just going to walk away and, and, and that's it. And it's a little bit what happened in Montreal. We kind of learned that, you know, tying it up with the uh, dark side of the ring. I mean, Andre and Dino didn't went along too much. Uh, they, they were not a good uh, pairing as business partners back then. Uh, and, and Dino had a huge ego, Andre had, had his own. And, and, you know, that old part was very intriguing to me, uh, as well as the old story behind Acromegaly and how Andre made decisions not to uh, pursue uh, any surgery to uh, take care of the situation, uh, which I would have clearly changed uh, the path his life was on. Now, that's one thing um, I, I'd like to touch on a little bit, is, you know, you talked to Acromegaly, also at the beginning of the book when you talked about, you know, Andre's birth and everything. There's so much, like, they didn't know exactly what he weighed as a baby. The Acromegaly, they talk about how he didn't know he had acromegaly, but then there are people who say he did know since like the 1970s. And there's just so many things about him that, you know, well, now we know more about it due to your book, but people didn't know. And I'm wondering, is that just, was that Andre's way of maybe, you think that was his way of like separating his personal from his professional? Cause it seems like there's a lot of stories between the acromegaly, the size how he grew up, where he grew up. It just seems like we don't know as much and what we did know, it turned out, isn't what we thought it was. Is that what his way of, you think that was his way of separating, you know, personal from uh, professional? Well, Andre, Andre was always trying to protect the character he was given. Um, I mean, it was, it was an era where Casey was really, really strong compared to today, obviously. And, you know, he had a backstory that he was trying to, 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 to keep as much as he could. And to have met his brothers, the Rusimovs are men of few words. So I don't think really that uh, it, it was Andre like to talk about his condition openly in the media like someone like Big Show uh, did, you know. So he, he, but he did talk to some of his closest friends. And Jackie McCauley being being one of them, uh, but even when he came to Montreal uh, in early 1970s, he wasn't he wasn't really talking about the disease, but in a sense he was. When when he tells either Paul Vachon or Paul Leduc that he doesn't think he's going to live long and that you know he want to enjoy life, that's a way that that was his way of saying. I know about my condition and I know, you know, what it's going to be like for me in the future. So, so, but, but in, for Jackie, Jackie, he, he really told her about it. He, he said, yeah, I knew from, I knew from, from 1970 in Japan. That's where I learned about the, 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 the disorder I had. So to us, it was, it was clear that, that, uh, that Andre knew from 1970, but you know, the thing about uh, Dr. Yap, uh, the one that we see in the documentary, and when you know when he says that uh, he didn't believe that Andre knew, well, it was just perhaps Andre um, no selling the, the, the news because that's not something maybe he wanted really to 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 discuss. 
So uh, he was he was uh, he was very protective of his uh, character and of, of his private life as well. Many many people who were close to him didn't even know that he had a daughter uh, before he passed away. So I mean he was uh, he was a very private man, I think. Now uh, we mentioned uh, you know just you know we're talking to Michael, we're talking we're kind of talking the myths of Andre the legends and all that. What was the story, you know, as you're doing your research, and we all know there are plenty of myths and legends about Andre because he was just such a, you know, an amazing character. Um, but with all the other books out, you know, Box Brown's uh, graphic novel, the documentary, I believe WWE did a book uh, years back. Um, what was, like, some of the legends and some of this that you heard that, or that you found out about that you enjoyed the most and you really wanted to share with uh you know, the readers that they may not have known. Well, I, I don't know about legends. I mean, there's always a football story that, you know, there's day people will claim that he made the Redskins team uh, <laughs> in the NFL or at at least a tryout, uh, which is not exactly the way it happened. And, and we discussed the whole situation in the book. Um, but, you know, there, there's some stories that, that looks like legends, but that are apparently true, like Andre going into town in New York City, bar hopping from bar to bar with Carrie Health after the premiere of Princess Bride and having a, a cup shadowing them just in case, because apparently in the past, Andre had fallen on, on a patron in a bar and, and fallen asleep or something. So, you know... That that just seems amazing, and and you have to have seen Andre live, I think, to to understand the sheer scope. And he did not even have to meet him close by, but to have an idea of the proportion when you saw him in action, uh, to to understand how much of a presence he had. I mean, if it was not wrestling, it would have been something else. He had such presence um, that you know everyone that we've talked to. I mean, it's always about their first meeting with Andre how the scope of his hands and the way he talk and the way he pack and the way he was proportioned. They, they, they are 25, 30 years removed and still amazed at that first meeting. So that's the type of legendary character. And, and, and there's a clear line, and Andrew was always promoting, and he was always playing Andrew the Giant. He was rarely the Andrew Rusimov. Uh, he was always on, and he was always promoting his, his legend, his gimmick, to be a, to be a giant, and you know, Andrew the Giant, he played that almost all the time. So it's uh, it's a very interesting uh, way of seeing your life when you actually become someone else or play something else uh, than than what you really are. To the point where you start promoting a backstory that never happened. Um, Pat, I'll give you the same question. What were some stories that you know you you found in research that? Uh, you know that you enjoyed the most. Um, I, I, I mean, so many, so many things are fascinating about uh, about about Andre. Um, I, I was, I was, uh, I, I did, I did like. I mean, and that's something I didn't know either. Uh, I mean, before uh, seeing the documentary, but as well when we started uh, doing more research about it, is how much of a prankster he was, because. He, he, he doesn't really, ooh, I, I, I don't know, I don't want to say, but he doesn't look the part at the same time. He doesn't, you know, I didn't imagine him being uh, so much into the pranking his, his, his friends, his colleagues. And some of the pranks were pretty, you know, when, <laughs> when, 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 when someone pees on someone's 
else had, that's, that's, that's kind of harsh, you know? But, but everyone thought it was funny, you know? And, and you know, the, the pranks were like, he was also, he, he did also like to play in people's mind, like he did with Big Johnson, like he did with Hulk Hogan before the song the tree. But to him, it was all about just having fun. And he didn't speak to, um, to Shawn Michaels for years. Uh, to, to begin with, he, he didn't really like him. But then, even after he started liking him, he was still no-selling uh, Shawn Michaels and, and, and for years. So, so, I mean, he had a weird sense of humor. I kind of like that. Uh, I have myself a weird sense of humor sometimes. But, but Andre was, uh, yeah, I mean, his humor was something. And, and, and like so many other things in his life, um, he, he, he was getting away with it. He could get away with anything because he was under the giant. I remember there was a story one day. I think it was Bobby Heenan who told the story. Was Andre in a bar and he asked a woman to show him her boobs and she took her and then Andre like supposedly like climbed us or she gave him the bra and said he can see him if he goes and puts his bra on a statue across the street and supposedly according to Bobby Andre actually climbed this statue and was hanging the bra on the statue when the police pulled up now I've heard the story multiple times I don't know if there's any truth to it but that's always one I thought was kind of interesting was this giant of a man climbing his bronze statue to hang up a lady's bra because he wanted to see her, her breath. I don't know what the truth of that story is, but I've always thought that one was kind of funny. Well, you know, Andrew was just a, a guy and that's probably one of the time where he was just a guy, you know, having fun, too much to drink and, you know, was interested in a woman. Uh, which is also a subject we don't shy away in the book because, you know, Andrew was a man. He, he never truly found someone to spend his life with, but he, he did have a uh, woman companionship uh, that actually led to uh, him having a daughter, which is also a very touchy subject in, in the book uh, and then, uh, it, about his life. You know, he made some choices there, and, and it was also very difficult uh you know, can you imagine having a daughter and, and the simple idea of even going for an ice cream cone with her or to go to Disneyland is like impossible because, you know, he cannot go out and put a baseball cap and sunglasses and, and go incognito and with his kid. Uh, it, it's just impossible for him to find an easy solution. And, and, and it's even predate us all having a camera in our pocket. So imagine how his life would have been hell back then if we would have all had a smartphone uh, because he couldn't go anywhere because everybody just wanted to, to, to stop him anyways. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's a very um, hard story at times. You know, the, the choices he was uh, given and, and the way he had also chose uh, fame and wrestling over uh, taking care of his health. Uh, so it, it's, it's a story that needs, uh, that needed that, that light, uh, you know, on, on every part of it, because so far, I think every worked on him had been very specific in some of the, the details it focused on. And we wanted to really go, uh, you know, from birth, uh, till death and, and not, you know, shy away from any era or any, uh, events in his life. To, to answer your, 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 your question, Michael, uh, we, we do talk about the story 
that you just told uh, in the book. So it was it was told by many other uh, than than uh, than 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 Bobby Enon. So uh, I mean I mean we don't know if it's true or not. We weren't there, but there's so many people talking about it that we do believe it's true, uh, and they all had the same uh, pretty much the same. Uh, the, the, the same memories of what happened. So uh, that was Andre just, he loved being with, with, with his friends, with his colleagues so much. Being in a wrestling locker room was a century for Andre. Uh, that's the only place where he just felt himself. He felt like one of the boys. So, so, so being with the boys at the bar, being with the boys in the locker room, that, that, that's that's why he, he, he kept wrestling for so long. He wasn't, some, some people uh, online were saying, oh, well, you know, did he need money that much? No, he didn't, he didn't need money at all. He wasn't wrestling for the money by the end. He was wrestling, that's, that's, all, he, that's all he knew, and that's the only place he felt like a normal human being. Now, you, you mentioned um, the other books and all that have been done about Andre, and I mentioned... You know, Box Brown did the uh, graphic novel, the WWE book, Gear Bet. Did you look at any of the other writings about Andre during your research, or did you choose to kind of stay away from that so that you weren't just kind of copying and going the same route as some of those books were? I mean, we, I mean, we, we, did, we did read about those other books because they, they, they came at a time where we were not even working on this one. Uh, the WWE book 10 years ago wasn't a good book. And I'm not saying that because I just, you know, we just wrote one. I'm saying that because that's what I thought when I read it back uh, in the day. It's, 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 it's a play-by-play. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's a, a recollection of his best matches in WWE and almost like if you were trans, you know, transcript a play-by-play of, of the commentary. So, I mean, that, that doesn't really get to me. You know, I, I don't like that kind of book. And not only that, but there's, I think, 30 pages from the, 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 his birth to the day he starts with uh, WWF. So we have, you know, for the same period of time, we probably have 11 chapters. <laughs> you know, so, I, I mean, we didn't want to do that kind of book. The first from graphic novel was, I really, really enjoyed that one. It was so different. And the story was better told than in any previous book before. Still, there was a few myths, a few uh, tales that uh, that were told in the book. And again, it wasn't it wasn't done in a way to be uh, a comprehensive <clears throat> historical uh, biography like we just did. So, so for us, it was really. Uh, we had uh, we, we had the, the the green light from our editors to go you know as as deep as we could uh, to dig everything we needed to. We we actually we actually exceeded the number of of words that we were given to begin with, and it was all fine. So so we had you know to thank to our editors, thanks to Michael Longs and ECW Press for listen, letting us do the kind of book that we really, really wanted to do, which was going uh, in depth into his life and his career and being the most comprehensive piece of work ever done on Andre. I mean, obviously, there's like eight pages of references uh, at the end of the book. So uh, <laughs> those books were part of, part of our research. 
uh, and, and in the WWE book, to to their credit, there was a few interesting interview spliced in, uh, in, in, in a little bit everywhere in the book, including uh, from Vince McMahon. Uh, but um, there, there's there was you know we wanted that that full package. We wanted that Andre Rusimov story. We wanted Andre the Giant. And we wanted the emotion, we wanted the pain, we wanted the joy, we wanted everything. And we didn't want to, you know, tie a bow at the end and say, oh, WrestleMania 3 and then his career fade away. Uh, you know, there's actually a few interesting years after that with WWE. I mean, uh, the old Kogan feud continued after WrestleMania 3. It led to the creation of the Survivor Series. Uh, it led to the creation of the, the Royal Rumble and SummerSlam where Andre and Ogan were in the middle of the whole thing. Um, so uh, I think it was important to, to put everything back into perspective. WWE had done a, an incredible work in, in making Andre and Ogan at WrestleMania 3 the centerpiece of everything. Uh, and it will be there forever, probably. Um, but, you know, th that's the whole point of being able to produce and write a book like this, is, is to, to give the whole story. And, and this is the, the title, the true story. Uh, we we wanted everything, and, and we were uh, allowed to do that. And I think you know it's going to be the definitive uh, work on on Andre because for so long, I mean, the, the the Sports Illustrated interview was the bible about Andre, and it's full of his uh, stories about his <laughs> the backstories of his character. Um, and it's you know, and even in the HBO documentary, and they were unable to go through everything. So it, it, it felt important to be able to do the definite uh, book about Andre and uh, all the facets of his life. Well, I know as a historian and wrestling fan, I've enjoyed what I've read of the book so far, like I said, about halfway through. But it's just so in-depth and so entertaining that that's why I've taken so long to read this because I want to I want to enjoy everything. Normally, I can go through a book fairly fast. I have the digital version. I'm going to get a hardcover copy of it because it's just a book that I want to have in my library. Because like you said, definitive uh, history of Andre and just an amazing book. But I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn because I'm sure he's been sitting there. He might have a couple more questions to uh, you know, continue on with the interview. Most certainly, most definitely. It's been so fun just sitting back and listening to you guys uh, chat about Andre and the uh, wonderful book, The Eighth Wonder of the World, The True Story of Andre the Giant. You know, as a kid, when I first uh, saw Andre the Giant, uh, it was up here watching, uh, up here in northwestern Minnesota, seeing him on AWA television. Uh, it was uh, broadcasted uh, from a Winnipeg channel. And for some of my early takeaways from Andre, as I was a developing fan in 1982, you know, I was a six-year-old kid, was that big battle royal poster with him uh, looking almost like King Kong-ish or a Godzilla-ish was the king of the battle royal and when he came in for his interview uh, I remember him and me and Gene when he let Gene t uh, try on his blazer and how much bigger it was and how big he was and that was one of the things that forever sticks in my memory. Some other things too that stuck in my memory uh, because kayfabe was such a beautiful thing when you think about it when you're a kid you're following wrestling was when you heard about Andre if you weren't a smart fan especially when you were a kid, you heard about his undefeated streak and never been slammed. Now, you guys growing up as fans before the, you know, the, 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 uh, 
the rabbit came out of the hat. What do you remember just about from being a fan and, and finding out about Andre just by watching it and just seeing his presence? Because in the book, and of course through the years, we have realized that Andre has been body slammed many times. He has had an undefeated streak that has gone by the wayside. But what you guys can remember as fans just uh, of that energy of Andre when you first saw him and started to to know about, learn a little bit more about his his, his story and the, and the myth and the mystique of him. Well, I mean, I think well, we went yeah. out of our way. <clears throat> I think we went out of our way to actually um, talk about everyone who had body slam Andre. <laughs> I remember we were just we, we mentioned Ricky uh, Ricky Gochu once, and we put in uh, we put in, bra- in, in brackets that another one who body slam Andre. So we, we really wanted to make sure that uh, everyone who had body slam Andre was mentioned, uh, at, you know, in, in, in the book somewhere. But I, I, when I was a kid, Andre was, it, it's cliche, but he was larger than life. Who, who cannot, when you're, especially when you're a kid, how cannot a guy that, and he didn't know any better, but at the time we thought he was seven foot four for real. So it's really impressive, you know, it, it's really like impressive to see someone like, like, like Andre. I, I remember seeing him on TV. I don't, really have a lot of memories of seeing live. I know I did when I was a kid, but I don't really have a lot of memories of that. I think I once touched his, his, uh, his, his, uh, his shoulder as he was going back to the locker room at the Montreal Forum, but I don't remember his, his, his ring work or exactly who he was facing that night. But the thing I did remember was wrestling a tree. I've said that over and over again, but it's the VHS I rented the most when I was a kid. Uh, I, I knew it almost by heart, and especially since there was a, a French version of it with uh, Edouard Carpentier and Guillaume and Frenchie Martin doing the commentary. So WrestleMania 3 was, to me, the, the it's probably where I really, really started watching WWF even even more because international wrestling was just fading fading down and um eh, well everybody i knew from international wrestling was now especially at wrestlemania 3 so to me that's probably my uh, most vivid memory of uh, of andre when i was uh, when i was a kid i mean i i for one i'm a little bit older than pat so i i actually remember yes, going are. to the forum and the paul Silver center to, to, to see Andre uh, wrestling and he was it was such an amazing moment because you know wrestling was on Monday night and you know so obviously it's school night so I, I didn't go to wrestling very often at the Paul Silver or at the forum because of uh, having school the day after so uh, my parents would bring us you know during uh, uh, the summer uh, during uh, the big Christmas show when there was no school the day after so those shows usually were shows where Andrew were, was brought in, and he was always brought in as the equalizer. He was the guy coming in, you know, okay, the hills have been running amok. They've been giving a hard time to the baby face. So guess what? We have the giant now, and he's going to come in, and he's going to help us. So it's like, whoa, you never see the giant on TV. You never wrestle even squash matches. I think the whole five years uh, uh, he was there with international wrestling, he did one squash match on TV. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, it, so it's, it's such an event that you want to go. And, and you know, I remember, the, I remember those show. I saw Enter the Giant battle 
Abdullah the Butcher at the Paul Sovey Center. So, you know, I'm sure if I saw the match today with my eyes, it probably wouldn't mean as much. But, you know, back then it was like just the idea of Andrew the Giant and Abdullah the Butcher in the same ring was like crazy uh, because those are probably two of the most incredible, amazing characters of the history of the sports. So that's what Andrew was. He was that, that special attraction that changed everything when he was in town. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about those memories. I mean, just we we, we definitely uh, us, us guys here, you know, on the panel today, we we definitely had the benefit of growing up at least during a good time of of still being able to enjoy the territories of wrestling and still be able to enjoy not everything before the WWF took over, and that was one of those things that you know have stronger territories, have strong places in the country like Montreal and other places where Andre got to travel because Andre basically. Before you know the full, you know Vince Vince expansion in the '80s and exclusivity to WWF and some times in Japan, but he he was basically in effect uh, an out on loan rock star when you think about it with the territories. And I mentioned battle royals that he was part of in the various territories uh, during the day. But Andre, I, I definitely think that he could, and plus handling all of that weight, that must have been a drag. I mean, because he was basically his own rock star. Yeah, well, everybody wanted a piece of Andre. Everyone wanted to book him because, first of all, he was a big attraction. Second of all, he was going to make you money. So uh, people could charge more when Andre would come to uh, to town. I remember Randy Dupre telling me that whenever uh, whenever his dad would uh, bring Andre to his territory, the Maritimes, he was making... Um, three, four, five times the uh, regular crowd that he, he usually uh, he usually draw. So he, he was like that everywhere he went. And that's what he liked so much. Andre liked to, uh, I don't think he really liked the traveling part, but he did like being in so many different locker rooms, seeing different friends of his and seeing different people. And that's something that really... Uh, that he really missed when Vince Jr. made him exclusive to the WWF because he was traveling, uh, he was traveling everywhere in North America. That didn't change, but he was seeing the same people over and over, and that's the part he didn't like. Especially since now, you know, he was he was never easy for the Giants to travel, so so that didn't change either. But now he was seeing the same people again and again. So Andre really really liked. Uh, to 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 see different people and and to wrestle in front of different crowds and and back back when he was allowed to do so many territories it was a win win situation for everybody because Vince didn't have to Vince Senior didn't have to use him uh, all uh, didn't have to use him uh, over and over in his own territory to the point where Andre would have not become a big attraction because that's the thing with Andre you had you really had to book him. Uh, just, you know, from once a month or once every other month, just to make sure that he... And Montreal was... Uh, Paul Vachon uh, knew about this back in Montreal because they realized, they quickly realized that if you were using him every week, that he was losing what... He was losing, uh, you know, what, what, what made him special because now people had seen him and didn't want to see him every week. So... When he was traveling from territory to territory, then Senior was making a cut on everything that Andre was making. Plus, 
he didn't have to overexpose Andre in his own territory. So when he was back to New York or back to Boston or, or, or Philly, he was still a big attraction. And Andre, you know, the, the analogy is good. He was his own rock band. And, but also, you know, that, that, that traveling lifestyle, when you think about it, people wonder, you know, why he drank or how, how it was. You know, we have an example in the book where it's like 120 miles in a, in a five-day period. Uh, and, and when the expansion started with WWE, it went from being mostly in cars and traveling in, in a way that was doable or easier when he had, he had the right vehicle to traveling on plane most of the time, which in his case was not the most fun uh, because not all planes are the same, as people know, and, and to, to be able to fit comfortably. He couldn't fit in the bathroom in the planes. And, you know, we've all stayed at hotel rooms. You know, they're, they're not all spacious, and it's not that easy sometimes even for us to take a, a shower or use the bathroom correctly in those, in those uh, tiny hotel rooms. Well, imagine Andrew the Giant in that situation. So, it, it you know, he was... That's why he loved staying at the bar because sometimes going back to his room made no sense because he was so uncomfortable there. So it, it's a it's a very uh, different life than what you imagine uh, when you see uh, a star on television. Uh, so I think that's also very important uh, to to bring that up uh, in, in our story and and we made sure to to bring up those uh, moments where you know he didn't feel comfortable anywhere well it looks like the uh the time is about to run out here on this edition of wrestling memories then and now i want to thank our guests um uh pat leprod and bertrand bear the author uh, co-authors of the eighth wonder of the world the true story of andre the giant it's a wonderful book i cannot recommend it enough to uh potential listeners out there you could probably find it where you find most books amazon.com your local bookstores get out and give it a chance if you love wrestling and you want to know the full st- story about andre this is the book to get thank you guys for uh, if, if take- i may if okay. i may land just if i may land on the amazon right now might be a more of a struggle because of the, the coronavirus situation. It's a problem of of getting books to Amazon's warehouses. So, so uh, if it's an out of stock, it's just the, it's it's temporary. It's just a shipping problem. But you can get the ebook very easily through Amazon. Uh, but if uh, in the states, if you want a physical book, uh, we would suggest to go to uh, Barnes and Noble's uh, online store. And, and they'll be able to provide you with the uh, physical book. Well, we heard it right there from the source, Pat LeProd, Pat LeProd, uh, Berna, Bertrand, Baird. Thank you so much for being on Wrestling Memories Then and Now. For the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. So long.